Welcome to episode three of Heavy Content, the podcast where I watch everything with a fat person in it and tell you just how long it will weigh on your soul. I'm Sam, I'm your host, and as you may be able to tell, I'm having some sinus problems. That's because I'm having some unseasonable seasonal allergies and my nose is so plugged and runny. I am just going insane. It's disgusting. It hurts. I am like scared to blow it because of the pain. Um, This might be why I'm single or not. If you have any other reasons why I might be single, just don't ever let me know because my ego is very fragile. Um, but it is cuffing season, so I've been like hitting Tinder pretty damn hard. And I just want to know, I just want to know one thing. Why is every white man with a beard on Tinder named Mike? Like in the early 1990s when these bearded babies were born, was every woman just like, huh, this little white boy looks like a Mike. And he grew up and he's like, I am a Mike. I better grow that beard now. Anyway, I've swiped right on a few mics. Um, we didn't match. That's fine. It just made my ego a little more fragile. Ugh. Anyway, enough about me. Let's get into episode three. So if you've been following the Meads, you know that episode three is pretty damn delayed. And that's because I've been pretty damn busy and I just haven't had a chance to sit down and edit it. I am so sorry. Thank you all so much for your patience and your support as I fumble through this little thing called life. Um, and um, I hope you're happy that it's out now. I'm going to try my damnedest to get ep- the episodes out on a timely basis um, every other Wednesday. I'm going to make you no promises. I'm a millennial. I'm non-committal. Blah, 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 blah. Um, but I'm going to try my best. And if they don't come out, I will always let you know. And I will try to get them out as soon as possible around their published date. This is flying in the face of everything that uh, the wiki how on how to start a podcast told me to do because it was like, you need to set expectations for your audience. They need to think you're reliable. My audience needs to know that I am reliable, but uh, maybe it's just not always going to be on the day I promise. You know, like I will get you the shit, but like I may not get you the shit every two weeks. Like it may be like every two weeks and a half, maybe every three weeks, but you will get something out of me come hell or high water. Is that setting enough audience expectations for you? Okay. Anyway, I'm super stoked for this episode because I got to sit down with Jocelyn Tennant. Now I'm going to level with you. I'm going to be real. I low key stalked Jocelyn. (laughs) Um, around Vancouver and on social media because I wanted to be her friend so damn bad. Um, it was kind of embarrassing. And I got to the point where I would see her out. I mean, like we'd chat and I'd be like too embarrassed to actually talk to her because I'd be like, well, I just creeped you on Instagram for an hour because I think you're so damn cool. And then she'd be like, hi. And I'd be like, don't look at me. Anyway, got to talk to her for this episode. We Skyped um, because Jocelyn lives in Point Grey and I live in Hastings Sunrise. We basically live in different worlds. 
like we live in different cities, so we Skyped. <laughs> um, so if you're listening to the podcast and you're like, damn, this sounds like a Skype call, that's why. Um, a little bit about Jocelyn, enough about me. Like I said, that fragile ego, am I right? Um, so Jocelyn is a fiction and screenwriter. She recently completed her MFA, and her work has appeared in Bad Nudes, Joyland, Room Magazine, and Sad Mag. That short bio does not do Jocelyn any justice on how super, super cool she is. Um, and I'm really excited for you to hear our interview that we did together. But... Before we jump into the interview, I want to make a little announcement. So there's a super, super cool um, indie web series that's trying to get made called Big Girl. And it's all about this plus size girl who lives in New York, who's dating and doing all the things that, you know, young women do in the city. And it's made by some, it's being produced by some super cool people. But they have a fundraiser on right now to try and raise enough money to get the show made. Um, the link will be in the show description. It's also on the heavy content um, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. It's on my personal Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. So go find the links, click it, send them some money because this needs to get made. Because I don't know if you heard... But Dietland, which is this, like, super cool uh, TV show that was on a channel. I don't have cable, so I was streaming it illegally. <clears throat> Those allergies. Um, it got canceled. It wasn't renewed for a second season. Yet, Insatiable. Ah, yes. Insatiable. I'm sure you're all familiar with that one. Has been renewed for a second season. So in this world of unfair and terrible representation of fat people, let's try and make something really fucking cool happen. So hit up Big Girl Show, throw them some cash, and let's get that series ding, ding, damn made, because it needs to be made. All right. So without further ado, I'm just going to jump right into the interview with Jocelyn. We talk about some really cool things. We're talking about the fat suit flashback trope. Um, this episode's going to be a little bit longer because I really did not want to cut anything out of mine and Jocelyn's convo because I fucking loved it so much. So take a listen and I will see you again after the interview. All right. Enjoy. All right. So, Jocelyn, why don't you tell me who you are? What do you do? Hey, well, hey. Um, huh? <laughs> I am a, a writer, um, mostly screen and fiction. Um, I live in Vancouver. I also uh, sell glasses for a living, which is not my passion, but uh, <laughs> does pay the bills. <laughs> Everybody has a day gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, yeah, I get fulfillment out of it by giving um, discounts to poets. So <laughs> great. I happen to be a poet but with poor eyesight. So. <laughs> yeah, well, come by. <laughs> That's awesome. What's it like to sell glasses? I've always been very curious about glasses stores. 
It's honestly, it's kind of weird, actually. Like, it, there's, it's a weirdly intimate experience sometimes because you have to, like, stare people in the face a lot <laughs> and uh, make a lot of direct eye contact with them. Um, and you're supplying them with, like, essentially a medical device, but they also want to be stylish. So it's, right. a, it's an interesting uh, mix. It's a mixed bag. <laughs> right. That makes sense. And people are so particular about eyeglasses, as they should be. Oh, they be. are. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I order all my glasses online. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, many people do. I mean, really, they're shady quality and often the prescription's wrong, so <laughs> people should Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have competitive prices, so come on by. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually just a pitch for your eyeglass store. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is just an ad. I'm not even going to say the name of the company because I don't want to seem like a corporate sellout. (laughs) You can save it for retail nightmares. Um, So you sell eyeglasses, you're a screenwriter. What are some places people can find your work? Um, Actually, most of my uh, work that's out there is um, short fiction. Uh, So I'm, there's a couple, there's a piece in Room, uh, Joyland, uh, recently in um, Bad News Magazine, which is a really cool little publication. Um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, JWB Tenant, um, where I will tell you anything that I achieve um, in great detail. <laughs> Perfect. I will be sure to link your Twitter and your other social media um, on the page so people can follow you and they better follow you or else. Sweet. I'm watching. And- <laughs> I guess I should say also, like, in, in terms of this podcast, I would say that I, like, self-identify as a fat woman as well. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, perfect. So, that's great. We met at... Where did we meet? Um, I think we met at a poetry reading, and I really liked your poetry, and I cornered you and complimented you a lot. <laughs> and then I And probably... then I apologized. <laughs> I apologized for complimenting you so much so aggressively, and then I ran away. I probably die because I do not take compliments well, which I'm sure my therapist has some things to say about if my therapist existed. So <laughs> um, that checks out. Um, what else was I going to ask you? So we met at a poetry reading. You do a lot of cool writing. There's a place you can check it out. Your social media is going to be linked. And we're going to talk about the fat suit flashback trope. You were on a podcast recently and talked about this right yeah um i was on uh room magazine's podcast uh fainting couch feminists uh was hosted by michael amiski um and i was on that podcast with um megan jones who's another writer uh and who's also a model and um so we had a conversation sort of just about our experiences in our bodies and how they're very different, but also very similar, um, which you guys should also check out. I was going to say, podcast. I will link it in the show description for this podcast. So once you're done listening to Jocelyn on heavy content, you can go over to Fainting Couch Feminist and listen to her there as well. So you can get a double dose, a double feature. Yeah. Yeah. Be it's, great. It's, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I'm almost out of wine and my roommate is too far away. <laughs> this is terrible. Um, perfect. So we're going to be talking about the fat suit flashback trope. And it's this really funny trope 
not funny in like funny haha this is a great joke it's funny in the sense that you have to laugh because it's emotionally devastating um trope that exists in a lot of sitcoms and movies where you'll have a conventionally attractive thin main character who used to be fat in their past life and it'll do like this flashback scene and they're just comically in the world's worst fat suit <laughs> like it's horrific yeah they're and they're always just like the most obvious just most hilarious like it just I mean not that there's a fat suit on the planet that looks good but uh they are always they seem to be the worst that they could possibly be Yes. Oh, of course, because people can't conceptualize what fat bodies actually look like, um, especially when it's, like, a room full of thin writers. Well, and I always find it so funny because, like, the character is always, like, clearly there's no way that character could have been that weight and look the way that they do. Like, there's no logic to it in any way. And, like, they've always lost the weight over, like, a very short amount of time. It's just, uh, they're all terrible. Yes, it's all terrible. I should also, before we get into it, um, say that Jocelyn and I are recording this podcast right now not in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> Despite living in the same city, we are recording this over Skype um, because I live in Hastings Sunrise and Jocelyn lives in Point Grey. So we basically live on opposite ends of the earth. Yeah, it's like two, if this was a rural area, we would live in two different towns. (laughs) It's actually true, because I was just up in my hometown in Dawson Creek for a wedding, and I stayed at my brother's house, who lives in Fort St. John, which is like the closest town, and it's 45 minutes away, and it would take me an hour, or take you or I an hour and 15 minutes to get to each other's house, so. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We are basically in different towns. Yeah, so... So that's where Skype comes in. <laughs> so if you're listening to this and you're like, wow, this sounds like a Skype call, that's why. It is. It is a Skype call. Um, but back to the topic. Yeah, it's often um, this trope where you see the main character or the character in their youth, usually, was um, fat in this terrible fat suit that is just comically not what a fat body looks like. And they lose the weight and it's somehow them being fat when they're young is very emotionally scarring and just like leaves an impact on them into childhood. And we're, we're you going to say something? <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> I inhaled very, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I always think, like, I think it's funny that, um, well, I mean, from a writing perspective, it's like probably the laziest form of character development mm-hmm. that exists. Like it, it just it's like this character is neurotic and the reason that they're neurotic is that they were once fat. It's so wild. And it's just like the idea that that explains like, like Monica and friends who is probably (laughs) the most like famous example of this trope, I would say Mm -hmm. is like a a crazy person. She's, she has so many issues. She's incredibly uptight. She's just like, she's just off her chain. And the idea that the entire root of it (laughs) is that she was fat. And also, like, the depiction of her as a fat young person, I think in the flashbacks, if I remember correctly, she is, like, the first time you see her in a fat suit, she it's high school, their high school prom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and then it is. It's, like, the next... Is it just the next year and she's thin? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. okay, so she's... It's between, like, high school and, like, her first year of college, I guess. It's wild. Yeah. We'll... 
dive into friends. So for yeah. our media examples, we're going to be talking about friends, Brooklyn Nine-Nine and New Girl. So I have to admit, Brooklyn Nine-Nine and New Girl, I'm not super familiar with. So I'm just going to be asking you a lot of questions. Sweet. I know. <laughs> I've watched them both extensively. Great. I have watched Friends from season one to season 10, like three times. So I got that. Okay, one. we overlap. I was obsessed with Friends as a kid. Oh, me too. Like um, unbelievably obsessed with it. Like I think I've seen the entire series probably six or seven times all the way through. All right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Logged a lot of man hours on that one. <laughs> Logged a lot of friends hours. I they're I think from season one to season six are the ones I've watched the most because at season six I'm like this is getting terrible. The writing is getting so bad. Yeah, um, it starts to get it starts to get a little um un- unbearably like hokey. Yeah. After like season six, yeah. Yeah. Um. So I've watched those ones a lot, but. Uh, beyond season six the rest of it I'm just like uh, I don't know what's happening um all right cool so we're gonna talk about the fat suit flashback it's going to be a good time <laughs> a wild time hopefully we get through it in one piece um but back to the topic yeah it's always seen as this like horrible thing the character has to co- overcome before they can live their real life which I think speaks a lot to how people view fatness in general. Totally. And I think like, I would say that more than anything, I, I don't think I recognized uh, until like, like in the last couple of years when I've sort of been like examining how um, sort of media portrayals and like different discussions about bodies have affected me personally. But I know that pretty much my entire life, I had this narrative in my own head that, like life would not begin until I lost weight until, and mm-hmm. until I was thin. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was just, it was cemented in my head by these shows that I loved. And like, it was like, okay, like, obviously like you can't get a boyfriend or have a cool job or have a cool apartment, uh, unless you're thin. Oh, totally. I feel that so intensely. You're just totally fed the line that like, when you're fat, and especially if you're a fat woman, you don't get to start living your life until you lose the weight. And everything is just, like, focused on weight loss for you before you can, like, fall in love, get a job, live, like, your cool whatever life. You have to, like, go through this first. And that this trope definitely, definitely reinforces that. Well, and, like, you even hear, like, I know I've heard this from, like, Actually, I'm from men more than I hear from women. Um, but this idea that, like, like I've heard so many guys talk about, well, I was, like, chubby in high school, and that's why I have this personality trait. Or, like, I'm funny because I was fat in high school, and, like, I had to develop a personality or something, like, whatever. <laughs> that's my line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, excuse me, um, that's actually my entire personality, so. <laughs> you can't take that away. <laughs> um but I think people have this like this they cling to this idea that like fat is a like it's always your before state it's never your current state like you're Mm -hmm. always sort of in this like constant um suspended state of what you like were before the good thing happens to you and you become thin 
Totally. And it's, you're always the before picture, like, no matter what you do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you're just perpetually stuck in that state to other people. And it's hard not to live your life like that. And it takes a lot of work to, like, start to undo that. And there's, like, times I still feel myself slipping where I'm just like, oh, you know, well, maybe. And I'm like, okay, Samantha, no. But it's a really, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I had, I remember, I think every summer of high school, and probably most of, like, undergrad, I would leave school at the end of the, of the year and be like, okay, well, this is the summer. I'm going to get get thin yes. and lose And I'm going to come back in September. Oh, I'm going to be oh. thin. And no one's going to recognize me. And I'm going to have every guy just fawning over me. And I'm going to be the most popular girl in school. I mean, obviously not when I was in college. But, um, I mean, I had I, that, that sort of, like, idea persisted for me for a really long time of like the magical and that's what the show these shows always um presented as it's like this magical transformation nobody sees the process you just walk down the stairs six months later and you're thin and gorgeous and Courtney Cox and then Matthew Perry like (laughs) cuts his toe off because he's nervous around you (laughs) exactly oh I feel this so intensely especially yeah in high school being like see you suckers in September when I'm thin and hot (laughs) And then you come back and you're like, plot twist, it didn't happen. Um, yeah. We're going to try again <laughs> next year. <laughs> well, I actually, I think too, like, um, just talking about Insatiable, which is like the thing that sort of kicked this podcast off. <laughs> really? Um, I, you know, maybe owe them something. I don't know. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. You're going to have to just like write a thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. But that show, I think that the reason that it hurts so much to see that like come out today like in this year was that it's just like it's the perfect embodiment of that feeling that I know that every fat girl who's 15 right now feels Mm -hmm. that like the idea that you would like hope that something bad would happen to you so that you could be thin because that's the most important thing that you could possibly be it's just like it heartbreaking to me that a that people still believe that and b that like they ordered a second season of that show by the way (laughs) i know i saw that and i was like the mass extinction event is when um yeah very curious um no it's so true and that is definitely why that hurts so much as a portrayal is just to see that just so blatantly represented with like no shame <laughs> just no shame at all well and like there I don't know like I kept seeing all of these think pieces about the show and how like oh they're really critiquing that and like whatever <laughs> and I was like they aren't because they failed the minute that they put an actress in a fat suit totally even if they had this like larger message that they were trying to get across putting this thin beautiful like sex symbol actress in a fat suit and ridiculing her Mm-hmm. that is like a that is damaging that is hurtful it's a violent thing to put people through and it doesn't matter what like you you ultimately arrive at after you've put someone through that through the show like it's just ah uh, yeah <laughs> oh no a thousand percent and I totally agree like they failed the minute they did pull out the fat suit trope and also she's on the list of, or the fat suit she's wearing and how she looks in the suit 
is just on the list of how people just can't conceptualize fat bodies. And out of all the things for me personally, for the like the fat suit flashback um, trope is that that bothers me the most is just how terrible they make the people look. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's horrific. Like if you look at Monica and you look at um Patty's character in Insatiable, it's always just like these really weird, like bulbous like torsos with like tiny arms and legs and just like the most exaggerated double chin and you're just like, This is not how people's bodies look. Like this like yeah, like the the like very solid unmoving double chin that just is like clearly made of plaster (laughs) yeah and just like a stomach that's not like soft is like very obviously hard and you're like that's not what it feels like or what it looks like well I think it's frustrating too because it's like yeah like yes it's not an accurate portrayal but it's also like the people who I don't know it's like this monstrous version of something that's so exaggerated Mm-hmm. And then, like, actual people with actual fat bodies are, that look completely different from that, that look realistic, have, I don't know, it's like, it's like the separation of, like, this is what we want people to see fat people as, is this, like, caricature, this, like, gross sort of mountain of, like, I don't know what the word is, girth, I guess. <laughs> cool. And not, like, as, like, a difference. It's like, it's like in those, sorry, I'm like all over the place with this thought, but it's like in, it's like in, um, teen magazines growing up, I remember there was like, they'd be like dressing for your body type and there'd Mm -hmm. be like ruler, boyish, uh, like hourglass and then plus size or like curvy as (laughs) if there was like one curvy body type. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. And that was their only thing, and the whole thing was about accentuating your waist and, like, hiding your arms. <laughs> Lord knows how many, like, umpire waist long sleeve dresses that hit below the knee I bought. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, and they had to be, like, A-line flare out, like, ugh. Yeah, the, the fit and flare. The fit and flare, yeah. <laughs> Smallest part of your waist. So always many. with a sleeve. So many, and I have a very long torso and very short legs so those fit and flares never worked (laughs) like the waist always just like went in like directly under my boobs basically was like trying to be a second underwire but then like the skirt part always hit like mid calf and I just like (laughs) looked so I I was I was a mess I was a mess we were all a mess. <laughs> but I was just like, oh, no, this is what J14 told me I have to wear. And Cosmo Girl backed it up. And then Stacey London confirmed it. Yeah, so. Stacey London. Stacey London. Like, wear a wide belt at your waist and <laughs> Stacey, <laughs> like a hat. <laughs> Stacey London, queen of, it should hug at your hips and flare out at the thigh. And I'm like, no, <laughs> nothing should do that. That's a terrible silhouette for everyone except Stacey London. Stacey London doesn't even wear that silhouette yeah I don't even know what that is it's like because every time somebody on what not to wear would buy pants she'd be like "Mm, yes we need a dark wash jean because if you get a light wash or if you have like any sort of because this was like the early to mid 2000s so old jeans had like the bleached whiskering on the thigh 
Oh, yeah. And she's like, if you have anything that has the whiskering or is a light wash jean, it's just going to accentuate your size. So you need a dark wash jean that doesn't hug the calves or the hips. And it's supposed to just lightly graze the hip and be a straight cut down. So not tight, (laughs) but like. Well, it was just like every fashion tip from like 2000 to 2010 was just about looking slimmer. Oh, yeah. Everything has to be flattering, and flattering just means make you look slimmer. Yeah, exactly. Which is something that has been so ingrained in me, and I feel like every other fat person, too, where I still go to the store to, like, buy clothes, and I have it in the back of my brain where I'm like, oh, no, this, like, isn't flattering. And I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? (laughs) Yeah. No, yeah. I had to, like, really – well, there was, like, this is the – there's a style that I want to dress. Like, I want to have this set – this style – and then there's the style that like looks like quote unquote good on me or, but good on me was always just thin, like thinner, yeah. like skinnier. Yeah. Oh, like the just... thing that made me look the smallest possible. And it was like, so I spent a lot of time wearing like very feminine, like fit and flare dresses <laughs> and like tights and cardigans. <laughs> oh my God. I'm attacked right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, it wasn't until like a, a couple of years ago like I discovered other fashion options mm-hmm. other than Old Navy. I feel, and... <laughs> I feel like every time I see you post an outfit on Instagram, I'm constantly just like sliding into your DMs being like, where'd you get that? <laughs> Where's that from? Tell yeah, me now. It. <laughs> it's all from ASOS. It's like my entire lifestyle. That's my entire paycheck. That is Always. so real. And also like, I this is such a tangent, but I think it's a tangent that needs to happen. But like, I have been so frustrated because there's, like, a specific aesthetic I want right now, which is, you know, what you do. But all, like, quote-unquote, like, plus-size clothes all just look the same. Yeah, they (laughs) all suck. (laughs) They're made out of the same jersey material, which, why the fuck do they make clothes for fat people out of jersey? I don't know. Oh, God. Because it... Like, I know I'm talking about, like, fuck flattering and all that stuff, but Jersey, just, like, you have any sort of, like, role or anything, if your body is not just, like, completely straight, it just, like, loves to hide in it, and you're just like, this is really great. I bought a shirt, and now it's a tube top. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and, like, I, it's it's so frustrating to, like, not be able to buy just, like, jeans, like, jeans uh, that I want. Yes. Like, I just want, like, what is trendy right now which is mm-hmm. sort of like the high-waisted kind of like mom jean mm-hmm. light wash that's I found one pair and because I am plus like I'm fat and my thighs were up together they lasted like six months and then they were destroyed and I like literally I have them in my drawer and I just look at them and I like I'm sad because they're my favorite jeans and I can't wear them anymore <laughs> <laughs> this spiritually hurts because I get it's, it honestly and like I just like um this is such a tangent, but totally um, <laughs> uh, Madewell just started producing plus size clothes, oh. um, which is like, I love their aesthetic. It's very simple, like um, sort of scaled back minimalist. Mm-hmm. And um, they have jeans and their jeans are beautiful, but they're like $200, which is their price range, which is kind of yeah. like, you know, a little much. And I just like, I can't, I can't as a, as a fat person 
spend a lot of money on pants because it's like they have a shelf life there's just like there's nothing I can do it doesn't matter what they're made of oh totally (laughs) my thighs will destroy them oh a thousand percent I also want a pair of mom jeans as well so bad and I haven't been able to find one like find a pair and I've just been like lolling to myself that like the only jeans fat women can buy are skinny jeans I know which like if you look at the logic of, like, how people view, view fat bodies, especially fat women, they're like, okay, you all want us to, like, hide our bodies and you think we're disgusting, but then you're like, hey, have you tried this denim blend with rayon and spandex? And you're like, <laughs> this makes no sense. I'm literally just wearing thicker leggings. Yeah. Um, but you won't give me the mom jean option. I'm so confused. Yeah, it's just, like, make jeans for me made out of denim. I just exactly and also why is that challenging (laughs) just like let us have trendy clothes like plus size fashion is always a season or two behind oh yeah like without fail it's and it's like well this is the thing is like anytime I see a plus size girl or fat girl with like really bomb really unique style I'm just like in awe because Mm -hmm. I know how much work it takes for me to find clothes I want to wear and that I like and that make me feel like I'm like sort of putting myself into the world in a way that I am happy about. Mm -hmm. And like it, it takes out, it takes literal man hours of sitting and trolling websites and ordering things and figuring out what fits like from what websites and, and how they fit and, and so much risk and so much like wasted money on stuff that just didn't work and that I couldn't return. And like, Mm-hmm. I just like I sometimes imagine a world where I didn't have to expend that much energy just to like wear a cute outfit oh, and it okay. makes me just <laughs> so sad I know I feel like my third and fourth side hustle is just trolling like plus size sections of online clothing stores to be like will this work um yeah and the other half is just like constantly being like okay I think I got clothes I think I can put this together is it gonna work is it gonna work oh yeah totally and I personally love when I see another like fat woman on the street and you walk by each other and you do what I call like the like fat friend head nod you're just (laughs) like I see you (laughs) I see you and I really approve yeah of your general look and it's really great yeah it's yeah amazing I live for it <laughs> truly yeah mm-hmm. but it's like I just think about I don't know because like I feel like for straight size people you can literally just like walk into H&M and walk out with an outfit that's trendy that'll make you look stylish whatever for not that much money oh a thousand percent. oh yeah and then if you're fat it's like you know spend three weeks looking for the jeans you want order them online they take a couple weeks to get here you're paying more than you would like more than any straight size someone would pay plus you're paying for like shipping and duty mm-hmm. and all the and that, that's for the chance that they'll work on you because you we don't have the luxury of trying things on totally and I find if I do go to a store that carries a like carries plus size clothes and I go in with like a friend who's thin or wears straight sizes it's just like, hey, I'll see you in a half an hour. I'm going to go to whatever godforsaken corner they shove the fat girls. Um, and I will just fight for the same three like three items of clothing. Don't worry. I'll see you at the end. See, like, see you at the checkout. It's horrific. Yeah. I went to the, <laughs> I went to the uh, Forever 21 at Metro Town. 
mm-hmm. maybe like a month ago. And I have to like say it is the saddest shopping experience. Oh. It's just it's literal piles of clothing on tables. It's like in no way <laughs> sorted. Everything's falling off of hangers. It's just like it makes me feel so much worse than like just not shopping. <laughs> oh, it's so true. Whenever I'm walking, because that's where I buy a lot of my clothes at that Forever 21 in Metro Town. Um, whenever I'm walking through the store, like get to the top part, got to walk down the escalator because it's always broken. <laughs> and then just like keep walking forever to the back of the store. I always think of Pirates of the Caribbean where they're like rowing into somewhere and there's just like three like dead pirate skeletons hanging and it's like ye be warned and that's how I always feel when I'm walking to that section <laughs> where there's just like signs being like turn back now wrong way <laughs> and I also my least favorite well one of my least favorite things also is when you're sort of like browsing through the plus size section and then like a straight size person will like walk up to a rack and like pick something up and then they'll like frown at it and they're like they think it's cute but they like can't find their size and then they like look around and they're like where am I like what's going on why can't I find this thing that I want (laughs) there's just like three frazzled fat girls like digging through a jean pile just looking at them being like get away just get out of here (laughs) yeah it's very stressful. It's so stressful. It's like the damn Hunger Games in there. It truly is. Oh. It truly is. But yeah, I love it when I see someone who's like wears straight sizes and like picks something up. They're like, oh, this is nice. And you see them like looking at the rack and you're like, guess what? Welcome to my life. Well, it's bizarre. Like I actually worked. So I worked at Additional for uh, like a year and a half mm-hmm. um, in Victoria and in Kelowna, mm-hmm. which was um, the worst. <laughs> Uh, one of the worst jobs I've ever had in my entire life but uh, oh yeah I mean like I I love I most (laughs) it's really hard when okay I would say like middle-aged women Uh if you work in retail middle-aged women are probably the most difficult customer base to deal with in general a thousand percent and then if you add to that middle-aged women who have body image issues it's like I've never been treated more poor, like, I've never been treated worse by, like, in a retail setting in my entire life than I was at the Kelowna Additional. <laughs> <laughs> We're just and, calling uh, it out by name and place. I love it. I'm oh, yeah. For it. It's a hellhole. It's garbage and it sucks. <laughs> I've shopped at that Additional, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty good. Um, <laughs> Not at all. But it's funny because, like, you would regularly get straight-sized people who would walk into the store and they'd be, like, indignant that you didn't have something in their size. <laughs> and, or they would, I would get this probably, like, once a week, I would get the um, friendly suggestion from someone mm. that we should extend our size, size range down and then we should carry, like, reg- like regular sizes, as it, they always said. Oh, my God. Uh, and I was just standing there. I'm like, you realize that in this entire godforsaken town, <laughs> this is literally the only store that I can shop in. Like, oh. really, that carries my size, like, in pants or whatever. Yep. Like, I can go to the Gap for a T-shirt. But, like, this is the store that I can shop in. And you're, you're truly coming in here and, like, telling me that we should be more size-inclusive to you. Consid- and you have an entire mall of stores that you could go to, including Reitman's, which is the same shit, and yep. it's in your size, and it's cheaper yep. because it's smaller. Oh, totally. This has been such a tangent, but yes, okay. <laughs> I am living for it. And 
I feel like if you're a fat person and you've shopped in a mall, you understand all this grief. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's sometimes you just gotta, ooh, gotta, you gotta lay into it. It's a, it's a hard world out there for a fat girl who just wants to look cute. It's true. I will say I just went to Joe Fresh today. Um, oh. And I bought a pair of trousers because I'm very into trousers right now. Um, I'm super into trousers. <laughs> which is another very thing to hard, very hard thing to find for fat bodies. But what I really loved about Joe Fresh, and I'm talking about the one on Granville and I want to say Dunsmuir. Oh, like right downtown? Yeah, right downtown. Is that there's no plus size section. Um, they're all just integrated with like the straight size clothing. Oh, I love that. Yeah, so you don't have to go to like some terrible corner of the store and just be like, well, here are my options. Um, when they do extend the sizes into plus size, you'll just see there's like a tag on the rack and you just like, oh, okay, cool. It's still like oh. shoved at the very back. <laughs> so you really have to like physically crawl into the rack of clothing to find your size. But it's well, there. of course. <laughs> yeah, but it's there. It goes up to a 3X and um, okay. from the trousers I bought, they're quite roomy. So wow. um, even if you're like a little unsure and maybe you're like a little bit bigger than a 3X and you're like, oh, I don't know about this. I think they could definitely work. They got some stretch. Wow. Yeah. So that's my, little, that's my plug for Joe Fresh. <laughs> All right. Oh, God, I just dropped my phone. Um, so we've talked about the woes of plus size fashion, totally off topic, but very important. <laughs> um, but back on topic, we're talking about the um, fat suit flashback trope. And I think we covered it pretty well. Um, before we get into the examples we're going to talk about. So first, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about friends and Brooklyn Nine-Nine or friends and New yeah. Girl. New Girl, I think. Friends and New Girl. Friends and New Girl, and then Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, um, what are you going to say? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so before we do that, we're going to go into a little segment called Where in the World is Rebel Wilson? So um, I'll explain it for you, Jocelyn, and for anyone who maybe is just tuning in now. This little segment I created as a bit of a bit but also because I'm weirdly obsessed with Rebel Wilson and she's my problematic fave in a lot of senses of the character she represents in some of her movies but in this segment I just look at her Instagram and I see what she's doing see what she's up to like last episode she was in a picture with Mel B, Mel B. Howie Mandel um and it was really bizarre, and I couldn't understand why she was in a photo with them. And, like, I thought it was just the three weirdest people. Until someone sent me a message, and it was like, Hey, Sam, don't, didn't you know that Howie Mandel and Mel B host, like, The X Factor or The Voice or, like, one of those talent shows? And I was like, no, I don't have cable. <laughs> but in this one, um, and feel free to jump in whatever you'd like and say whatever you'd like about Rebel Wilson. Oh yeah, I'm just pulling I'm just pulling up her Instagram page here. <laughs> Perfect. I'm on it right now. I've got it up on my end. Awesome. So if you go to her Instagram, there's a photo. It's the six down right in the right corner. She's holding a tattoo gun. Oh. Oh. <laughs> it says, Don't mess with me. Revelations one one. 
which I think is really funny. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> it's a great joke. But in brackets, it says, now tattooing free Mexican drinking worms. I thoroughly enjoy that this this girl is pulling on jokes from, I'm pretty sure that's from Bridesmaids. Yeah, I think that is from Bridesmaids. Which came out a while ago. <laughs> well, she's true to her brand, which is important. She is so on brand, which is part of why I love her. Speaking of her brand, <laughs> if you want to go back to plus size fashion, have you ever seen any of her clothes? Uh, did she? Where did she release the line? I think it's Torrid. Okay, no, I haven't. Um, but they're all so bad. <laughs> they're like truly the epitome of like shitty plus size clothing. Like they're overly bedazzled. There's always like weird cutouts on them. Like they're just they're just strange and bad. And it just like it makes no sense to me because I'm like, she's a plus size woman. Like, would she not understand? I mean, maybe that's just her taste. Uh, no, I get it too. And I felt this about Melissa McCarthy's line, which oh, is yeah. expensive and bad. And, um, Tess holiday also put out a line that was, oh, with ex- who? I want to say it was an additional. Oh, really? Yes. I wouldn't put it past them. Or Pennington's <laughs> one of, or they're like one of the same, basically. They're basically the same. Pennington's is, like, a little worse, I think, but cheaper, <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> I think I have literal trauma around Pennington's, but that's a different story for a different day. Um, we, we could do a whole episode on, like, Canadian plus-size brands because there's two, and they're both terrible. <laughs> if you were fat and in high school and a girl, <laughs> those are your options, and you went to school in so many bad boot-cut jeans with bedazzled uh, back pockets. The worst boot-cut jeans. Oh, geez, and they're always so long because they think if you're fat, you're also, like, 25 feet tall. To be fair, like, I uh, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> you are tall. I am tall. <laughs> But also sometimes it's too tall. I'm too tall. Oh. And then it's just But I'm I'm fat and I don't have very big boobs, which is also a huge problem. That's because apparently too. that doesn't exist. Oh, yeah, the shaping for fat clothing is really bizarre. <laughs> um but yeah, both of all those lines that were created by fat women and I was excited about and I was like, "Cool, cool, 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 cool." And then they came out and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" It's yeah. more of the same. It's all made out of jersey. Anyway, if you want a tattoo by Rebel Wilson, maybe just hit her up. She'll You'll get a free Mexican drinking worm tattoo. She'll just reuse all her jokes from Bridesmaids. Um, but she looks happy in this photo, and it's kind of scary with her pose and her face with it. I find, I find sorry, I, just to, like, really get into Rebel Wilson here. <laughs> <laughs> Please, let's get into it. I just find her to be such an interesting figure. Like, she plays this, like, very comedic characters like she's got a very like significant like a very um noticeable what's the word I'm looking for she has a very iconic voice as a comic actor Mm -hmm. like she's she always plays a really similar character but she does that character really well I think or I mean that can be argued but um but she herself does not is not funny no she's not she's not I've never laughed at anything she's like said (laughs) I haven't watched a lot of interviews with her, um, but just, like, going through her Insta and all her social media, I'm like, there are no jokes. Like, there's just, like, I don't know. Like, even, like, reusing the joke from Bridesmaids. And her, yeah, her brand, I find, and, like, the character she plays are all just, like, very much 
entangled in this weird, not obvious, very subtle, like self-deprecating fat girl. Um, oh, yeah. Whereas, like, Pitch Perfect, it was very, like, in your face. But even shows, like, the one she was in, um, where she plays, God, what is it? She is, like, really rich, and she, like, bones a lot of dudes. It's a show? It's a movie. Oh, um, How to Be Single? Yeah, and How to Be yeah, Single. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even, like, it's never outwardly, like, said I still feel like her character is very self-deprecating. Um, well, I find I find with that that one, it's like it's funny because she's fat. Yes. Like it's like oh, this girl, she's a party girl, and she like rolls into work at, at like late in the day, and she hooks up with guys at the clubs, and it's like even though she's doing those things in the show, and like men are attracted to her and stuff, mm-hmm. like the joke, the underlying joke in that comedic movie is that she's fat doing those things. Yeah. And I feel like that's all of her roles. Yeah. Or like, Oh, this is a joke. Cause she's fat. And if it was a, the same joke played out with a thin person, it wouldn't be funny. No, it'd just be like a sad character. <laughs> God, that's bleak, but it's true. Yeah. It kind of is. <laughs> it is. All right. So I enjoyed this in depth, um, <laughs> in depth look at rebel Wilson. Um, but as always, I will link her Instagram because I think everyone should take a look at it. I will give a warning that 15 hours ago she posted a, like a photo of herself and said social media break starting now. Um, it's a vital warning. <laughs> so if you want to take a look at Rebel stuff, you're going to have to go through the backlogs. Because yeah, she's taken she... an, an unspecified break. Oh, wow. That's... I wonder what's going on with Rebel. I hope she didn't listen to this podcast. I bet she does. <laughs> Just, she, has a go- she has a Google alert for her name, I guarantee you. <laughs> oh, definitely. My ego's so big. Three episodes <laughs> in, I'm like, Rebel just quit social media because of me. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. Print yeah. it on my tombstone. Uh, I think you should add it to the, like, you know, the reviews, like, five stars, like, forced Rebel Wilson off of social media. <laughs> <laughs> just me writing my own iTunes reviews. <laughs> With burner emails. I'm sure other people do that. Oh, a thousand percent. But that, this has been great, and it's also been Where in the World is Rebel Wilson. All right. So what what TV show would you like to talk about first? Well, let's talk about Friends, because I think, I mean, we kind of started talking about it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think Friends is, like, the quintessential fat suit. Mm-hmm. Like, it is... I think it started the... I'm trying to think if there's, like, one before that. I can't think if there's one, maybe, like, in our kind of collective time. Like, maybe there's, like, an <laughs> an older one, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe in, like, Cheers or something. <laughs> yeah, the sitcoms for old people. Yeah, old people sitcoms. Old people sitcoms, yeah, exactly. Boomer sitcoms, yeah. <laughs> Baby boomer sitcoms. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think Friends, like, really... I think Friends exemplifies the the genre a little bit. Um, and that I think it has the least... Well, I was going to say I think it has the least depth, but, like, none of them really do. Um, but I think Friends is, like... Friends, to me, is the one that really, like, banked on it as character development. Mm-hmm. 
because so much of who Monica is seems to come out of that. Um, and like that revelation that she used to be fat, like comes to like, it gets folded into her character so much after they make that choice. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. And like we talked about earlier. Um, so if you haven't seen friends, <laughs> Which maybe, oh, yeah. maybe you haven't. That's totally legitimate. I met someone recently who hadn't watched Friends and I was like, I don't understand you. Okay, whatever. Um, what did you, what did you watch when you had your period and you stayed home from school when you were in high school? Like, actually, like, what did you watch <laughs> late at night? Um, but Friends revolves around, how many friends are there? There's five. Right? Six. There's six. Six, right, because they have to... Three guys, three girls. Pair off evenly. Right. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, no, you know what I mean. Austin, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, technically, Phoebe marries outside of the friends. She does. If you want to get technical, she marries Paul Rudd. <laughs> she does. Oh, <laughs> God, this show. Um, <laughs> it's about six young New York friends coming of age and living their life in the Big Apple. That's my elevator pitch. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's about it. <laughs> um, but it's chock full of very problematic plot lines, some really good jokes, and it is just the most watchable television show on Earth, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I, I think I started watching Friends when I was, like, I remember having a conversation with my parents where I, I asked permission to watch Friends. Um, <laughs> <That's> wholesome. <laughs> I, I, we had like limited TV time when uh, I was a little like a kid and um, there were certain shows we were allowed to watch and certain ones we weren't. And I like sat my parents down at dinner. I think I was maybe like eight. Like, so I was pretty young. <laughs> and I was like, I would like to watch Friends. <laughs> and I remember my brother like, was very against it. He was like, it's inappropriate. She shouldn't be able, allowed to watch it. And then my parents, I think, just were like, she's not going to get any of the jokes that are inappropriate. So Is your brother older like, or younger? He's older. He's three years older. Okay. So he's, like, what, 11? He's like, no. Yeah. He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I started watching it, and I was obsessed with it. Like, I, I honestly, it was my favorite show um, for, like, most of my adolescence. I had all the seasons on DVD. Mm-hmm. I... My like sense of humor, I feel like, is was like in, indelibly shaped by that show, That's as were a lot of people. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and so I have a lot of like mixed feelings about Friends because I think it it like holds a very like warm place in my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, there's so much shit in it that is awful to look back on, and like, it's really transphobic. It's mm-hmm. really fat phobic. It's really homophobic. <laughs> Um, we got a good list going something, here. It's a little racist. <laughs> there are um, other times, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, it's it's hard. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's one of those things. Um, but I, I don't think I allowed myself to think about how hurtful I found Monica's storyline until I was, like, a lot older. A thousand percent. Um, so Monica in Friends is one of the main characters, one of the main friends, and she's portrayed as this very, like, almost shrewd type a like um kind of annoying super neurotic yeah super neurotic kind of annoying character like she's not given a lot of justice 
Um, and it's eventually revealed through a flashback that she used to be like quite um, fat as a teenager. Um, yeah, and I think that the, the first time we see it is in season four. Um, yeah. It's either season four or season five. Um, so like that's like three seasons into a fourth, like four, essentially four years into a show mm-hmm. um, with like incredibly popular uh, characters that people like knew very well. And then they'd sort of like added this character trade in. I think they would maybe re- reference it. I can't remember. Yeah. There's always, I feel like there's always references to how she was fat or maybe I'm just like adding that in, in later seasons. I don't know, but I feel like there was, yeah. I know there are like tons after they reveal it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing with Monica's like being overweight was always that she was just an overeater, like a crazy, like, overeater so all Mm -hmm. of the stories were all about like um oh like I saw you like lining up outside the bakery before it opened (laughs) yeah or like Ross saying like if like there's one joke I always remember that like um Monica like points out that he eats fast and he's like like I grew up with Monica like if I didn't eat fast I didn't eat yeah yeah she would just eat all his food and like Mm -hmm. even in the flashback when she over so okay basically uh, I think it's like a, it's all it's like the, the the episode where they go through it is like the one with all the Thanksgivings. Yes, and um, yeah. oh so, yeah, because yeah, so Ross it's like, and um, Chandler come back from college. Yeah, yeah. So they come back from college for Thanksgiving and they meet, um, like Chandler meets Monica and Monica has a crush on him and um, okay, so it must be season five then. Yeah, because yeah, they start Monica. Sorry, <laughs> just like friends trivia. Because <laughs> um, Monica and Chandler start dating in season at the end of season four, right? And uh, there's like a whole plot line about how um, uh, Chandler's mad about the thing, and then she puts a turkey on her head. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> right, 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 right. Anyways, right. okay, so that's season five. That's halfway through the show that they really yeah. like bring this character trait in. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, so she. Uh, Chandler calls her fat in the flashbacks and then she loses all the weight uh, mm-hmm. by the next time and she's really hot and then she like tries to seduce him to get back at him and cuts off his foot or something. <laughs> cuts off his toe. Cuts his off foot. his foot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. But there's a moment in the flashback where like uh, her mom comes up to her and is like holding two pies and she's like, I don't have room in the fridge for these pies. Monica, do you want them? <laughs> And, like, I'm laughing because it's a funny joke. Like, it's it's a funny joke. Yeah. Um, but it it is, like, it's so simplistic that, like, the idea that, like, Monica was just this out-of-control, insane overeater. Mm-hmm. And yet has, like, no issues with food um, as an adult. Yeah. And is, in fact, a chef. <laughs> yeah. Which is, again, another example of, like a character that was fat or has somehow has fatness in their storyline being involved with food <laughs> just always. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's totally it. And like, there's so many jokes throughout the series too, about how she ate so much and how she was just a rampant overeater um, when she was young. And now she's like in control, but somehow like doesn't have a problem with food as an adult, which is, it's all very confusing. It doesn't add up at all. Yeah. I mean like, I find it, like, I mean, because the vast majority of people who are fat are not fat because they just, like, inhale pies all day. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are a lot of different things that are happening. And mm-hmm. um, 
and I know that like that's you know maybe more nuanced than than they were ever going to go for a what might have just been intended as a bit joke. Mm-hmm. But um, it is it is it is funny to me though that like as a teenager, as a like a fat teenager, she's this out of control sort of like monster, mm-hmm. and then her character as an adult is insanely neurotic, insanely yeah. controlling, um, and it's almost like she is better off now being this like very willful and she's controlled like Mm -hmm. she's managed to get control of her body and that like her fatness was her being either lazy or out of control which is I think a thing that a common idea around fat people too is that oh you're fat because you have no control over your life you have no control over your diet or what you eat um you're lazy you don't have enough like um energy or enough drive to go to the gym etc 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 and I think it definitely plays into her character as well where she is out of control like you know quote-unquote as a teen and she's fat and then she like gets neurotic and like very controlling as an adult when she's like thin and hot again quote-unquote and like I think that definitely plays into the idea that like fat people have no control and they're lazy and like they just like we somehow just live our life in chaos <laughs> well and to like the fact that like the reason that she ultimately loses the weight is that uh a guy says something shitty about her body mm-hmm. who she ends up marrying of, exactly <laughs> and instead of thinking like that guy's an asshole and he says something shitty um and like who gives a shit or calling him out or whatever it's like mm-hmm. the, re- the revenge is to is to get hot. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'll show you. I'll be exactly what you have decided is worthy. Yep. And then I'll, like, you know, tell you that you're not worthy. And it's like, that's, yeah, that's a super, like, healthy message for mm-hmm. people. And, like, I don't know. Like, they do this They do this episode in season six uh, where they, it's, like, an alternate universe where, like, things are slightly different. And Monica's right. still fat as an adult. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I always hated that episode. Like, I think it's a couple episodes, but I hated those episodes. Like, I, I just like I would always skip them when I watched the the show. Uh-huh. And uh, and I never did that with the um, the fat the the Thanksgiving episode. And I and I, I don't right. I don't know. I haven't really examined why that is. But like, <laughs> um, it, the whole point of the episode was that like Chandler would still fall in love with Monica, even if she was fat. Yeah. And it's, like, supposed to prove that their love is, like, true or whatever. <laughs> like, he loves her so much he could even love her when she's fat. You're, like, great messaging. Um. Well, and, and like, in that show, she's, like, about to, like, marry a guy because he's, like, he likes her. But he's super boring and she doesn't, like, think he's interesting or, mm-hmm. or like... And it's just, like, all of the coding in the show is just, like, her life sucked when she was fat. It would have sucked anyway when she was fat if not for Chandler. Mhm. And like yeah. it's just it like it's so frustrating because the show is like so much about like friendship and none of these people seem to care about how she sees herself. Mhm. Totally. And it's just yeah. It's very very bizarre and like it's I never even yeah, like you're saying I never examined it when I watched it just like how much it was impacting me as a kid watching it 
And then, like, really, as you get older, like, unpacking that and being like, oh, no, like, these are things that really stuck with me. And, like, Monica's character really just, like, added to the internal narrative you have. And then also just reinforces the idea that, like, you don't have control over yourself unless a man tells you exactly what you need to do or somehow impacts how you view yourself. Yeah, and it's like she wouldn't have, like, essentially the narrative overall is that she would never have lost weight if not for Chandler mm-hmm. because Chandler's saying something shitty yep. and uh, like she would never be happy if she was still fat except unless Chandler deigned to love her. Yeah. And oh, it's so fucked because again, it's playing into the idea that like a, as a woman, you're like one goal is to like fall in love and get married to a man. And, again, plays into the idea that fat women's self-worth comes from being attractive to men. Totally. You're just like, sick. (laughs) Two things I don't (laughs) care about. Well, and, like, even in that episode where she's, like, still fat as an adult, she's just, like, eating chocolate bars the entire episode. (laughs) And it just, like, it drives me nuts. But, like, I don't know. I mean, (laughs) we basically said all of this before but it's just like she she's just this like caricature and this idea and I and like it's no wonder to me that people have this perception of fat people that they do because like in in mainstream media I mean Friends is like one of the most popular tv shows of all time mm-hmm. and the depiction of fat people on that show are people who just constantly eat mm-hmm. and are like you know and it's just like or even like uh Like, oh, man, my friend's knowledge is deep. But in (laughs) another Thanksgiving episode, um, the one that Brad Pitt guest stars on. Yes. Yeah. um, And he's, like, formerly fat uh, and now very hot. And, Mm -hmm. like, that whole narrative that it's it's reinforced again. It's like he was invisible to Rachel in high school Mm -hmm. and, and, and she hated him and made fun of him and, like, made him miserable. And then he's hot now and still the hates her. Yeah. And yet we're supposed to see him as the villain in that episode because like Rachel was really a good person deep down. She just mocked and humiliated a fat kid yeah. just for being fat. Emotionally cool. damaged him. Um totally. And so oh, drop my phone again for the second time. Can't wait for those to be in the recording. Um are there similarities between Rachel's character in Friends and Schmidt's character on New Girl? Definitely. I mean, yeah, so Schmidt, um, Schmidt is interesting. So he's very similar. It's like he was fat in college. He's fat in all the flashbacks. Um, Again, he like would overeat constantly. He's like, that's, I mean, that's a pretty much like across the board, whatever Mm -hmm. idea of what a fat person is. Um, And he's very neurotic as an, as like a thin man. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, He's a Lothario, like, he gets a lot of women. He's, like, super obsessed with about his body. And, like, they at least fold in some, like, issues about food and weight and stuff like that with Schmidt. Like, it's an integral part of his character throughout the entire show. Totally. Which doesn't make it better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's less, it feels less like a plot device. I mean, it's still lazy character development. Mm-hmm. I... But I feel like slightly less, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I'm not super familiar with you, girl. I cannot stand Zoe Deschanel. 
<laughs> I tried to watch it so many times and I get so mad. Nothing makes me more grumpy. This is such a tangent. Nothing makes me more <laughs> grumpy than like whimsy. <laughs> I hate whimsy so much. And she's just like all her, not Zoe Deschanel as a person. I have no idea what she's like. But, like, all every goddamn character she plays is just Whimsy the character, and I can't deal with it. Yeah, I mean, you'd probably hate New Girl, then, if you... I... Because <laughs> that, that's, like, her character. Yeah. <laughs> there, are some, there are some redeeming moments, and, like, there's some good comedic acting uh, and some good writing, but it's mm-hmm. a really inconsistent show. Um, but I will say, like, it's, it's really interesting because um, Jess, the character played by Zoe Deschanel. Yeah. Um, it's also, like, in the story that she was kind of, like, a chubby teenager um, as well. But it, she's played, like, her younger self is played by a chubby teenager. Oh. Oh. Like, a really, like, she's, like, this, you know, cute kind of chubby mm-hmm. teen. Yeah. And it's, like, and she's played by the same girl throughout. And, like, it's not, like, that is, like, if you want that to be a char- character development for a character or, like, if you want, like, you found this girl that really looks like a young Zoe de Chanel and she's, like, a little chubby, mm-hmm. like, that's great. Like, do it. Yeah. Yeah. But it would just, like, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, scenes of Fat Schmidt. Um, but, like, again, it's, like, this grotesque fat suit. I was just looking up because I haven't seen. It's insane. I haven't seen any scenes with um, Fat Schmidt. But I was just looking up, like, screen caps to try and familiarize myself with it. Yeah. And just from the screen caps, I was like, this is wild. It has the hard, unmoving double chin. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so horrifying. Yeah. I also... Well, and, like... Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Go on. What are you going to say? Oh, well, they, they also have... There's, like, a... Like a I don't know. Maybe, like, five or six episode arc where... Um, like Schmidt's high, uh, college girlfriend, first college girlfriend, um, played by Mara Weaver, mm-hmm. who is like I don't know if I would describe her as plus size. She's definitely like chubby, mm-hmm. um, like in real life, um, and has always just sort of like had you know that like that body type. And I think she's great, but um, this is his like college girlfriend, and he starts dating her again, and she's like, like tries to convince him to like be fat Schmidt and like be happy and like mm-hmm. let go a little bit and like all this stuff. And it's like, it's, it's so much to unpack because it's like, ultimately, like, I think he decides it's not healthy for him. And he like, I don't know, like, I can't remember exactly. Wow. Anyway. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that both his character and Monica's character are just the most neurotic, like type A um, characters and it's really interesting that Monica's character in Friends is constantly being criticized for not getting married especially by her mom and it's like a running joke that she's like not married because she's just like getting so old and like whatever and she's not like really seen as like actively dating like she does have a few like dates and like romances throughout the series whatever but like not in not on the same level I feel that like Rachel does in Friends but then from my understanding and like you mentioned with New Girl with Schmidt his character is also very neurotic but also is kind of just like portrayed as like a lady slayer 
I can't believe I just yeah. used the phrase Lady Slayer, but it was the only one that came to my mind. <laughs> um, which I think is really interesting. Classic phrase. <laughs> Classic phrase, Lady Slayer. <laughs> yeah, dude, I think it is really interesting. And like, um, the fact that he's like now hot is like such a triumph that is like mentioned constantly by him and by other characters. Mm-hmm. And like, um, that he's dating a model and that like, you know, he works at this PR company and like he becomes incredibly image obsessed. Mm-hmm. And like, I think what they try to do at one point in the series with that arc with his high school, his college girlfriend is like to address, like, has he become a shallow person because he's so afraid of being fat again? Mm-hmm. And like, some of the examination of that stuff is, is like they're getting close to like maybe making a point that isn't totally horrible, mm-hmm. but like the fat suit itself, again, just totally invalidates anything that they could possibly say because it's so like, yeah, I mean, and, and like, I have to wonder like in the writer's room when they first started pitching the idea that, you know, Schmidt used to be fat and not only did Schmidt used to be fat, but we're going to do flashbacks where he's wearing this absurd fat suit because it's not like, it's not unreasonable. And I don't think it's that like, you know, I I think an argument can be made on either way, but like, I don't think it's that horrible that a plot point that he used to be fat and that affects who he is as a character, Mm -hmm. if it's done in a nuanced way. Totally. Um, but the flashbacks with the fat suit were unnecessary. They like they were not required. <laughs> yeah. And uh the character can be that without it being shown to us in a way that is so dehumanizing mm-hmm. to fat people. Yeah, it is a very dehumanizing depiction and it's always just shown as like being so overtly grotesque and monstrous that like fat bodies like we've mentioned um are cannot just be conceptualized outside of that where like they're um like it's basically physically hype like hyperbolic how they look on screen for the joke you're just like yeah exactly thank you thank you for this (laughs) um was there anything else you wanted to say about friends or new girl no i think that that's I am um, sufficiently ranted. <laughs> <laughs> sufficiently ranted. All right. So before we get into Brooklyn Nine-Nine, another TV show I'm not the most familiar with, so I'm going to need help. <laughs> um, sure. I want to go into one of my favorite segments that I swear came out of a fever dream called <laughs> Horrible and Terrible and Probably Fatal Diet Tip of the Day. <laughs> I usually take these from Women's World magazine, um, every mom's favorite magazine. (laughs) But this one I had multiple people send to me, and it's called The Wine and Eggs Diet. Have you heard of this? Yes. Oh, my God. Is this like, this is from like a, like a 1970s issue of Cosmo or something, right? Well, yes. So it was printed in Cosmo, but it originally comes from a 1962 book called Sex and the Single Girl, um, <laughs> written by the future editor, editor of Cosmopolitan, Helen Gurley Brown. This is more Cosmo facts than I've known in my entire life. Um, <laughs> and so the wine and eggs diet is a three-day plan 
that promises weight loss for up to five pounds and for women to feel sexy, exuberant, and full of joie de vivre. So, <laughs> great. It promises full everything. <laughs> full of joie de vivre. Um, and so, the diet goes as following. Breakfast, you have one egg. Um, hold on. You have one egg and a glass of white wine. So, a boiled egg. <laughs> Just a boiled egg. For lunch, you have two boiled eggs and two glasses of white wine. And then for dinner, you have a steak and finish the bottle of white wine. <laughs> um, I think for breakfast, you can have a cup of black coffee as well. Um, and that is literally what you're eating. I Not- honestly can't, like, <laughs> I can't even comprehend, like, <laughs> how you would feel. Like, it's just terrible. Um, as my one friend said when she sent this to me, your farts would smell so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like you're full of something other than joie de vivre, I think. <laughs> you are, there is no sex for you, single girl, because <laughs> you're going to be feeling and smelling some kind of way. Um, I honestly can't think of a less sexy thing to eat than just... like four boiled eggs in the course of a day <laughs> and a bottle of white wine. Like, that's just a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> the smell of your lunch in general oh i yeah i honestly think it's like a violent thing to eat boiled eggs in public oh it is there every morning i commute to work there's a lady on the bus and i take the 95 which is like a beeline in vancouver and it's super packed and i take it and she peels and eats a boiled egg every goddamn morning I sat behind someone yesterday on the 99, or no, not yesterday, uh, whatever. Um, I sat behind someone who was eating a, uh, like a hard boiled egg on the bus. And I was like, this is, this is like criminal. <laughs> it is. It should like, the transit cops need to stop ticketing people for not paying fare. They need to start ticketing people for eating boiled eggs on the bus. Eat them at home. Eat them on the side of the street. Eat them anywhere where it's not close quarters with no windows open and the heater's on now because it's getting cold out. Oh, God. It was so bad. Wow. Um, <laughs> I do enjoy for this diet that there's one steak you have for dinner. Yeah. Yeah, just... I love and I, a whole bottle of wine over one cor- like the course of one day. Like, that's not bad. That's, that's pretty fine. Uh, white it's really wine, only though. the eggs that I find offensive. <laughs> The 25 boiled eggs a day I have a problem with. But your bottle of wine and one steak, I'm down with. That sounds like my diet anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Just bottles of wine and steak. Yeah, that's my my lunch. Love it. It's perfect. Um, I just could not imagine the long-term health effects of this. Yeah, even how long is you, how long are you supposed to do it for to lose five pounds? Um, it doesn't say how long you do it for. It just promises you can lose up to five pounds a week. Oh God! Yes, I can't. Like, I don't think I think doing it longer than a week. Like, you there's literally no nutrients. No, there's no vegetables. in any of those things. It's, there's not even like a glass of orange juice. <laughs> <laughs> it's all protein and fat. And you're just going to be so tired. Oh, God. This is basically the keto diet, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's my perception of keto. It's just boiled eggs 
and one steak and a lot of wine. <laughs> I swear to God that it's the keto diet, though. <laughs> um, I think everything, because it's no carbs, right? Or, like, reduced carbs? I don't know. I don't know anything about this. I think it's no carbs. Wait, what is paleo? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> paleo? Isn't that where people are like, we eat, like, cavemen, and then they just eat meat and bacon 24-7 and mix, like, butter and coconut oil into their coffee and blend it? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> People are crazy. I just, I, I have so little time. I just tone out. I just like tune out anytime someone starts talking about like their, it, it, like a large fat diet, large scale fat diet. As soon as someone tells me they cut out carbs, I literally just go into my happy place, into my brain. <laughs> I'm just like the next 25 minutes of this conversation are going to be so unpleasant. <laughs> yeah. That I need to not be here for it. But also anytime anyone tells me about a diet that's, like, not specifically for, like, a medical reason, for, like, a weight loss reason, or, like, a quote-unquote, like, health reason, if you know what I mean, like, that sort of thing, where I'm, like, for me, I have gallstones, so, like, I eat a very specific diet, so I don't go and, like, have an attack, and I'm, like, in immense pain, Um, but I don't generally tell people about it unless it, like, comes up in convo. And if someone, yeah. like, tells me about stuff they have to eat because they have, like, wild allergies or it's, like, for a reason so they don't die. I'm like, I will listen to this and I see you and I hear you. But someone's like, I'm not eating cars because they're bad for you in the general sense of bad for you. And I'm just like, next. No. Okay. <laughs> can't deal well, yeah, with like, this. Oh, yeah. No, I can't. I can't handle, like, any sort of, like long conversation about like eating beyond like what we're going to be eating for dinner (laughs) totally and if it's like if it's I just I have very little patience for the way people talk about food Mm -hmm. because people will talk about it like they'll talk about it with so much confidence having read like a headline of an article on twitter yeah and they'll be like oh did you know that like any amount of alcohol is poison for your body and I'm like yes I did know that because it is poison for your body but I'm gonna drink it anyway and I don't want to have a conversation about it (laughs) totally also I love yeah it's so funny I do get weird joy when like fad diets or fad like superfoods like are super popular and then like five years later it's like actually they're poison (laughs) like it just happened with coconut oil because I remember coconut oil. Oh, really? Yeah, coconut oil literally went through its like phase where it's like in everything. It's like this miracle for your skin and hair and all this jazz, which like great for your hair, bad for your skin. I'll just put it out there. At me if you have a problem with it. But <laughs> anyway, um, and like in foods and smoothies and coffee. And then I just read an article. I am that person from Twitter right now that read a headline. But I actually opened up the article on Reddit where, like, doctors are like, actually, this isn't that great for you. Like, you should well, maybe like, pick a different oil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, every oil at one time has been, like, the least healthy oil yeah. for you. Totally. And it's just like, I mean, let's just let's just accept that they're all bad. <laughs> <laughs> and we have to use them in some ways sometimes. And let's just move on. Has olive oil had its time? Like, where it was called out? I mean, I think olive oil had this thing where it was like, uh, if you use it to cook 
with and you're using the wrong kind, you're it turns poisonous or oh, something. You get cancer or like, something. Yeah, like its smoke point is too low. Oh, so like I remember you should cook yeah. with it. That was a whole thing. Yeah. But I think olive oil is like one of the healthiest ones. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's so much like who knows. Just the just the movement of human like just the like physical movement of people um, over the last generate like hundred years. Uh, I think like everything we know about like what is good for people based on like like what they should be eating mm-hmm. naturally or whatever is all bullshit because like I don't know I read a I read an interesting headline <laughs> I read the whole study uh, <laughs> I read the whole article about the study I should say <laughs> there we go um, of this guy who was talking about uh, how the healthiest food option is the foods that would would have been eaten by your like closest ancestors mm-hmm. um and so like where in the world your family is from and or like your ancestors are from and and like trying to eat as close to what they used to eat and that is the most the healthiest way for you to eat yeah um, which does make sense to me mm-hmm. but it's also like how are you supposed to like I don't know <laughs> that's a tangent I don't know anything what if about you're foods. mixed like <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I am like, like my yeah. dad's side is like hella British. Am I supposed to be eating like jellied eels? Yeah, did that, is that what the British eat? Yeah, there's jellied eels and everything is brown <laughs> and fried. You just kind of eat like beans and I don't know. I'm Brit- I'm British too, but it's like I think you're supposed to go back. I don't know how far back you're supposed to go, <laughs> and like to what level of ancestor. And, yeah. like, should I just go to, like, my grandparents? Because it was, like, everybody, everything came from a can. And then they boiled it in a can on the stove <laughs> and served it from the can. At least it's not boiled eggs and white wine. That's true. <laughs> yes. I cannot think of a sadder day of eating. What a perfect end to that segment. <laughs> <laughs> that is terrible and potentially fatal diet tip of the day. All right. So we have one more show to talk about um, quickly before we wrap up. And it's Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which I have watched a few episodes of and loved. But you have have some things to say about it. Well, I so I really like the show in general um, as well. Uh, And I haven't seen I will say I haven't seen like every episode. Um, But uh, there is like the same sort of thing. So there's a character named Terry uh, on the sort of like, um, I want to say squad because they're police officers. Is that right? Squ- uh, force? Team? Ah, uh, force. That's the right word. <laughs> cop squad sounds horrifying. You know, the cop squad. Oh, yes, um, the cop squad. <laughs> and he's like, he's played by um, Terry Crews. So he's like mm. incredibly muscular big guy yeah. um and like a lot of the jokes are about how muscular he is mm-hmm. um but there is a whole uh like backstory where he used to be heavy and he's in a fat suit and it's i find like um i find it to be like especially disappointing from a show like Brooklyn Nine-Nine which has been like 
lauded for being incredibly inclusive and like it's uh the the cast is super diverse the characters are really like fleshed out and well written and like the idea that they they think so carefully about how they represent all of these different types of people um how they represent women and yet they could still have a fat suit and a character where the like a punch like where an entire episode's punchline is about him being fat mm-hmm. is like so upsetting to me. That is ridiculous. And so in the TV show, he is like super like built, and that's like a you said, like the, a, one of the running jokes. Um, and how does his character compare to uh, Monica and Schmidt? Like, is he super? controlling and neurotic or is his character a little bit different um he is he's kind of neurotic I mean like I actually think I actually feel like in the episode he gets fat for the episode and it's not a flashback interesting now that I'm I can't oh man I can't remember this is really bad podcast preparedness (laughs) I Um, mean I haven't even seen it so (laughs) Well, there you go. Um, but yeah, he is, his character is like neurotic about his body and about what he eats. Um, and he doesn't, he like eats quite healthy mm-hmm. and um, very, actually he's like, he's kind of like the straight man in a lot of ways in the show. And um, so it's funny, like it's, it's weird how they all intersect in that sort of like on that trait. Mm-hmm. Well, like um, we had mentioned before, like I think it plays in again to that idea that fat people are out of control and that we're fat because we don't have the initiative to take control of our lives and we're too lazy to work out and all this jazz. And then if we do lose the weight and become thin, it's because we took control. We like did all these things. Like we stopped being so out of control and not caring about ourselves. Yes, totally. And like, and it's like it's it's that and then yeah I just like I can't get over the idea that like a fat suit like didn't doesn't like come up as a flag to anybody in what is clearly a pretty like can like forward-thinking progressive writer's room where they're like they're really consciously thinking about um how are we portraying all of these different types of people and like queer characters and Mm -hmm. people of color and women and it's like they do such a good job of that um and they do a really good job of like critiquing a lot of the systems in comedy and in the world that like we expect um the like things to work in and yet they still use the fat suit and it's like what like where did how did that get approved and like come through and be shot and have no one have thought like are we doing something that is like potentially like hurtful to an audience that in America is predominantly plus size totally well i feel like it's because fatness in general is still um so stigmatized and like so misunderstood like I think in terms of research and study we're still kind of relying on the same facts that we've been fed since like 
um, the 1950s and 1940s around fatness and health. And there really hasn't been any other studies to kind of challenge that or re-examine the science that we're working with now about fat bodies and even like health um, policing and whatnot aside, just in terms of like desirability and how that plays into a larger consciousness of seeing if people are human or not human. And of course, like desirability, again, doesn't just like revolve around fatness, it revolves around race it revolves around gender and sexuality too but I feel like fatness is so integrally a part of the idea that makes someone not human or less attractive that like it's so hard to break out of the trope and it's hard for people to see it as something that is really damaging when it's the butt of a bit yeah yeah (laughs) and like and I mean like what we've been talking about like Friends started airing in like what 1995? Yeah, between 1992 and 1999. Okay, um, really prepared. Uh, I did so much research. And it's t- 2018, and I'm pretty sure that episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine aired last year, mm. uh, or maybe the year before. Um, and so we're talking about, like, decades of yeah. media, which is my entire life. I mean, that's first episode of Friends aired two years after I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an entire life of, of mine growing up consuming media that mm. finds my body to be not only a joke, but, like, this like acceptable like site of ridicule totally and I think it still is working like fat suit flashbacks and fatness as a joke in general still is working for people as a joke because it is a fear for I think maybe this is problematic and I'm going to be roasted for saying this but I think it's like (laughs) always a good preamble (laughs) Um, I think it's a huge fear for a lot of people to get fat. And so, and it's seen as such a scary thing because of all this stuff that like, it's still, people like to make it into a joke. Totally. they can. And like, yeah. Well, and like, they also, like the joke is always like, it's a significant amount. It's significantly fat. It's always like, um, it's not, you know, just like I don't know what would be except like it's always the the farthest end of a spectrum yeah and like this fear that if you lose control of your body that your body will instantly become fat Mm -hmm. and that like that by doing that you've proven yourself to be some sort of like a weak person yeah it's like an attack on your character and morals (laughs) you're just like no it's just your body it's fine um well and like yeah, and, like, I think that, like, that uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine aside, because I think it actually isn't a flashback, but, um, like, the idea, like, the sort of displacement of being fat on the past mm-hmm. um, as this, like, it's kind of, like, a lot of times uh, when you're talking about race, especially in American cinema, um, all the films that discuss racial inequality and race, race issues, um, well, not all of them, the ones by mm-hmm. white directors, 
um, are all sort of displaced onto the past. Yeah. Because it's easier to look at the past and say, well, we've come so far since then. Yeah. Um, and it's the same sort of with this trope. It's like that character used to be fat, but like it's funny because it's not true anymore. Yeah. And like it wouldn't be funny if that character was still fat or if the actor was fat. <laughs> A thousand percent. A thousand percent. And I think that's a good place to wrap this up because we recorded for a long cool. time. We did. Yeah. Um, you have a lot of editing ahead of you, I think. It'll be fun. Um, thank you so much for being such a great guest um, and putting up with Skyping for this since we live in different time zones. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've been wonderful and thank you so much. All right, so that was the interview with Jocelyn. I had such a great time doing it, and I hope she comes back again. Thank you so much, Jocelyn, for Skyping with me and talking with me about the fat suit flashback. As always, to keep up to date with what's happening on heavy content, you can check out the social meds, um, Twitter at Heavy Podcast, on Instagram at Heavy Content Cast, and on Facebook, the old people social meds. Um, just at heavy content. I am planning to have another shorter episode out next week. This one is an hour and a half, so it's lengthy. So I'm hoping to have about a 40 minute episode next week um, available for you to listen to. This one will be just me. There'll be no guest. So I'm sorry. You're just going to have to listen to my voice. Hopefully my allergies are gone so I sound less wacky. Um, I have some good news. I just found out that this podcast is finally on iTunes and some of you have been liking and rating. So please keep that up. Remember to rate and like and subscribe. You have no idea how long I've been waiting to say that literally since I started this since before I started this podcast. So please go to iTunes and like and subscribe and um, rate and leave a review. Maybe... Maybe I'll get famous and I'll forget all about the people in my life and just live in Hollywood. I'm kidding. I wouldn't make it in LA. I hate the heat. But I will see you next week.